0: I don't know about you, but I used to love Calvin and Hobbes, that comic, and remember one vignette where Calvin says to his mother, Mom, what time is it? And the mother says, Calvin, go to the, yourself to the living room and watch the clock and you'll find out. After a couple of minutes, Calvin says, Mom, how is the weather like? And she says, go yourself to the backyard, look at the sky, and you'll Find out. Find out. And a couple of minutes later, Mom, how fast our car can go. Go yourself. Good try, kid. (laughs) Calvin was tempting her mother. Temptation is this try, this attempt to allure us towards sin. So we're going to dive into the nature of temptation today, inspired by this gospel that we just heard Christian spirituality has pointed three sources, three main sources of temptation. The first one is our own flesh. We are sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, and as we heard in the first reading, they disobeyed God. They bought the lie that the tempter was selling them. And if we pay attention to this account that we just heard, Satan lies twice, in his attempt to tempt them. First, he exaggerated God's command. He said, did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees of the garden? So putting someone in a garden full of trees and then forbidding to eat from any of them would be a little unre- unreasonable, don't you think so? So he exaggerated that command. But Eve was able to recognize that lie, that exaggeration So she said, no, not really. He said that we should not eat from the one who is in the center of the garden. And then he lies again. You know why he forbid that? Because he knows that if you eat that fruit, you will be able to determine what is good and what is evil. You will be like him. And he doesn't want that. So he doesn't want you to thrive. He wants to keep you under his control. And then she bought that lie. And she was tempted to eat and she ate So we know the story. They ate, they were tempted, they fell, and we are heirs of them. We feel that heritage of sin in our lives. We have this, what we call, original sin. We are born into this life with this brokenness. We experience different disorders. We are broken in in many ways. We feel this lack of integration, if you want, between our body and our feelings and our passions between our passions and feelings and our spirit, our intelligence and our will. We desire contradictory things often. There's this war going in inside in our hearts. So let's say you want to go to the law school and you have to study for this exam, but then you don't want to study. You feel lazy about it. Why is it that I want to do something, but then I don't want to do it now? Or... I want to honor and respect this friendship, but then I gossip and I criticize on, on his or her back. Or I don't want to be greedy, but then I cling to these material things that I don't really need. And, and like that, so many examples. Why is it that we do things that we don't want to do, and then we don't, think, we don't do things that we should and that we want to do? Why is it that we desire this contradictory thing? So this brokenness is in all of us in one way or the other. It shows, it manifests itself in different ways, but we all know what I'm talking about. And this is a source of temptation, for sure. An inclination to sin, to disobey God in different ways. The second source of temptation is the world, what we call the world, what John in his gospel and calls the world. So we are tempted not only by our inner situation, but also by what we see. By the, way, by, by the way, let's say Rousseau and others, you know, they, they used to think that only the world was a source of temptation. Right? Things are, um, are outside of us. But we know that that is not true. Temptations come from within, but also they come from outside. For, from what we smell, the smell of the world, so to say. The greed, ambition, the vanity, the power, lust, envy. All these things that somehow rise our attention. There are certain environments and places and parties and people that could be for us a source of temptation. And we are different also. What could be a source of temptation for one might not be a source of temptation for others. So we have to know ourselves and how do we react to certain places. If you read the Chronicles of Narnia, this, one of the, book, the books is called The Silver Chair. In that book, Aslan, the lion, the figure of Christ, speaks to this girl, Jill. And he commissions her to go to Narnia and to you know, accomplish her mission. But for that mission, she needs to remember four signs. She needs to be really aware. So he really insists on that. And then he says to her, I give you warning. Here on the mountain, I have spoken to you clearly. I will not often do so in Narnia. Here on the mountain, the air is clear, and your mind is clear. As you drop down into Narnia, the air will thicken. Take great care that it does not confuse your mind. And I think it's a great image of how the world tempts us. Some places have their, the air Thickened, thickened and we, our mind gets confused we are distracted we kind of lose the sense of who we are as children of God we are dizzy with the with enchantments of the world the third source of temptation is Satan himself, the tempter. Jesus was tempted in this way He did not have any inner disorder. He did not have any world around him. But he was tempted directly by by the devil. And we can also be tempted like this, like him, like Jesus, by the devil. You know, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, she used to say that, that the devil really doesn't care much about us, that he could care less. But he hates God. He's in rebellion against God. And because, of course, he cannot harm God in any way or manner, he tries to destroy what God loves the most: His creatures. We, we are His beloved. So he attacks the 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 plan, the kingdom of God in our midst and in our hearts. And we recognize the temptation of Satan basically in two ways. The first way is because the his temptations are violent and unpredictable. You don't see it coming and it's really powerful, really violent. It comes out of a sudden and it goes away really really quickly. You know, Jesus said, go away, Satan, and he, and he, went, he went away. So it happens to us once in a while that we are in a normal situation and all of a sudden we're tempted from whatever and we can recognize because of that power intensity, and, 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 and because it happens from one moment to the other, we recognize his, his sign. And also, we don't recognize ourselves in that temptation. You know, there are some ways in, into which we are tempted that it's just us. Oh, this is just me. I, I, I have that sinful inclination. But sometimes we are not tempted by, by our own nature, by by by, by him. I don't mean to say that we need to, say, to see Satan everywhere. No? For example, the other day one person said to me, Father, I went to a bar, I drank a lot, and I was tempted with all these things. Satan was tempting me. And I said, you don't need Satan for that. No? <laughs> uh, it's very clear that Satan didn't have much job with you, no? you, you. you were putting yourself into that situation. But sometimes it happens So it's good to be aware of this. We are fighting against ourselves in many ways. We are fighting against the world. We're trying to be faithful to to the gospel. And also we're fighting against Satan. And all this comes to our life as temptations. What is the difference between a temptation and a sin? This is very important. Temptation is a suggestion to our intellect, for example, or to our feelings and to our passions to do something that we shouldn't or to avoid something that we should do. But as long as we we have not consented into that suggestion, it's just a temptation. It's not a sin yet. For it to become a sin, our freedom has to be involved, our will. This is the interior decision to sin, to go into that direction. As long as, 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 you know, as I'm resisting that temptation, then it's just a temptation. I think it's very important. When I, when I sit down, I am confessing. I often hear, Father, I, I, I felt envy towards my friends, for example. So I ask, so what, what did you do about it? Because it could be just a temptation. If you resisted, if you fought, then it was just temptation. It was not a sin, even. Or I felt that way, or I felt that attraction, or what did you do with it? Feelings are not sins in themselves. They're just feelings. They're showing us something. But did your will um, open the, the gates of your soul to that feeling? Did you allow the temptation in, or did you fight back? You know, I'm reading this this novel, it's a fascinating novel. It's called The, Word, the Lord of the World. And in, in, in it, there's, there's a moment when this man, Felsenberg, is kind of like the embodiment of the Antichrist. You know? And so he comes to this, he, he makes himself present in the novel, and everyone is uh, enchanted by him. Everyone is uh, loving him and following him, and he, he has this power to like a spell, has a spell over the multitudes. And at some point he's addressing a huge crowd and everyone is cheering him. And in in that crowd there's there's this priest, the protagonist of of the novel. And he's feeling that temptation as well. They want to proclaim him king, they want to proclaim him emperor, and they want to follow him and kind of worship him. And he's feeling that allurement in, in, in his own soul. But he's resisting. He sees that he shouldn't. That that's that's something wrong in that situation. And this is how he describes, I want to read to you. There had been one citadel that had not flung wide its gates. All else had yielded. His emotions had been stormed. His intellect silence. His memory of grace obscured. A spiritual nausea had sickened his soul. Yet the secret fortress of the will had in an agony held fast the doors and refused to cry out and call Felsenburg king. So the secret citadel of of the will, the will said, no, I'm not worshiping you. So he was resisting the temptation. You know, Satan and God are not so much interested in our passions or even in our feelings. They're they're very important, of course, but they are mostly interested in our freedom. God wants our freedom. He wants our will, our intelligence and our will, so that we can love him. And Satan wants our will so that we will disobey God and worship Him. Feelings come and go, but the will is steady. That is where the real battle between temptation and sin is takes place. Okay, how should we fight against temptations? I would say with courage and with determination. The first thing is to Recognize this is a temptation. That's why I'm explaining all these different sources. This is a temptation. I'm feeling attracted to this, and, and it's a temptation. It's against what God wants from me. If you don't see it coming, then the bullet hits. You know. But if you see it coming, you can recognize it. It's a temptation. You can shield yourself. And then once you recognize it's a temptation, you fight back with courage, with determination, not doubting. Not engaging in a conversation. Hmm, let's see about this. When you sit down to have a conversation with temptations, that is tough. You're conceding the ground. You're opening the gates of your soul. But at the same time, without anxiety or without fear. With determination, but not with anxiety or fear. With calm determination, with peaceful strength. This is not for me. Get away. If you read the, the, the Lord of the Ring, Gandalf speak, at the beginning of the first book is speaking with Bilbo and Bilbo doesn't want to give up the ring. That was the plan, that he would leave the, leave the ring to Frodo, but at the last moment, he wants to keep it. And Gandalf confronts him and says, Bilbo, let it go. We spoke about this. And then after you know, some arguing, Bilbo said, fine, OK, you take it. And Gandalf says, no, 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 I don't want to touch that ring. Just leave it there. Because he knows that that temptation would be too strong for him to handle. So sometimes resisting temptations means even see them coming. No, I'm not going to this place. I'm not doing this. I'm not putting myself you know, in that situation. That temptation could be too difficult for me to handle. Okay, so the good news is that temptations are somehow used by God, at least some of them, the ones that we don't you know, walk head on into them, to strengthen us. He always wins. He's so much powerful than our weaknesses. So each trial is an opportunity to learn something about ourselves and to respond with fidelity. And as we do so, we grow. After a temptation, we are better, stronger, if we, if we were faithful than what we were before. We said a yes, and that somehow made us move forward as as disciples of Jesus. So God uses somehow, even though He Himself doesn't tempt, He's with us, He's near us, He's walking with us, strengthening us, so that we could be faithful. And then as we do that, we grow. That was Jesus that's that, that is the reason why Jesus was tempted in the desert. He wanted to put Himself in that situation so that we would learn from Him as He was tempted. Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden and Jesus was tempted in the desert. The desert is an image of what the garden looked like after sin. When they were unfaithful, Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. He didn't engage in any conversation with him. He just quoted the Bible with few words. It is written. This is the word of God. This is what God wants. So get away from me. And really quickly, Satan flies away. Sure, we do have to fight. There is a a battle going on, a spiritual warfare. But out of that warfare, we grow. We cannot expect to grow as disciples if we are not willing to fight. Because Jesus was very clear that the the way of of, of discipleship is is not downhill, it's uphill. So it implies our Freedom, our decision to fight and not to excuse ourselves to say, oh, that temptation was too difficult for me. God is with you and he will strengthen you. And even if you fell a thousand times, there will be some breakthrough. You have to trust in him and in the power of his mercy. He's always with him and with us. And he is, you know, Jesus says, no one steals a sheep from my father's hand. No one snatches uh, a sheep from, from him. So we can trust in that. We can say, "Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil as we pray in the our Father." I have to finish, Augustine says, "Our pilgrimage on Earth cannot be exempt from trial. We progress by means of trial. No one knows himself except through trial or receives a crown except after victory or strives except against an enemy or temptations. As we do that, we grow. We know ourselves better. We are strengthened. And finally, angels come to console us. After temptation, there's this deeper peace, these deeper joys, when, when we are faithful, there's angels come and stay with us. We experience the consolation after we fought for a while. And just as happens in nature, after it rains, we have this bright and sunny morning. Everything is clean. After the cross, we have the resurrection. And after temptation, we have victory and peace.